0: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm super excited today to welcome Deborah Rodriguez, author of international bestsellers, The Little Coffee Shop of Kabul, The Zanzibar Wife, The Island on the Edge of the World, which we spoke about in episode 148. And the book we'll be chatting about today, The Moroccan Daughter. Welcome back. I'm
1: so excited. I can't believe that you've done that many episodes and what, it's been a year? Yeah, about that.
0: I just looked up um how long ago it was because it feels like yesterday when you have these conversations. I thought, no, it really was a year ago because I remember I took your last book on holiday with me. <laughs> I remember reading it at the beach.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. I know. And I feel like it's, the time has gone by so fast because I I follow you on Instagram and there's so much going on there. Right. And so it, it feels, it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel like so much time has gone by.
0: Yeah, that's right. And luckily for the socials, then we get to connect and keep connected with people, particularly with the year we just had. So that's been a bit of a saving grace, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've been, I've really enjoyed watching, uh, watching, uh, following you on an Instagram and all the authors. Uh, it's been fantastic. I'm like so impressed with your <laughs> Instagram you. page. <laughs> I aspire to be you on Instagram. Oh my goodness! Thank you.
0: I don't know what I'm doing. I think I post too much sometimes, but I just get really excited about stuff.
1: <laughs> no, I love it. I love every time I, and it, it literally, every time I open my phone, I go, and there you are. I feel like you're my new best friend. And, <laughs> and, and, no, it's like, oh, okay. no, I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's good job.
0: Well, that's what I love about repeat guests as well, because you've already spoken. You've already gone really deep about the book that you've talked about before. And then you just come back together like it was yesterday, even if it was a year ago. And we just continue the conversation. So that's really fun.
1: No, I like that, too. I do. I feel like I know you. <laughs> right. And it's so weird. But it's nice. It feels it comfortable. Is. It feels familiar.
0: Oh, that's nice. And where are you beaming in from today, Deborah?
1: I'm in uh, Mazatlan, Mexico. Wow. Still here, and uh, yeah, it's beautiful and sunny. I believe it's probably beautiful and sunny by you too. No, it's actually raining. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh wow! It's really isn't it, isn't it summer for you guys?
0: Yeah, it's uh, summer. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It should be beautiful and sunny but it's pretty gray and dull out there
1: oh, okay well it's always summer here
0: oh it sounds nice and
1: so it's starting to really get warm so <laughs> but
0: <laughs> well I loved this new book and I loved how it kept the characters from Island of the Edge of the World and so I really want to talk about Bee and Charlie again. It was like being reunited with old friends but before we get started can you give us an elevator pitch as to what this book's about?
1: So uh, The and Daughter it's about love, it's about forbidden love, it's uh, about secrets long-held secrets keeping secrets a clash of culture it's about modern versus traditional it's about family honor and it's about a lot about family it's about friendships um all set in this amazing backdrop of morocco and especially in the medina and fez um, um morocco and you know the We bring this wonderful, introduce a wonderful character, uh, the name of Amina. And she is this Moroccan, young Moroccan woman who is torn between the modern and tradition. And she's got this huge secret that she needs to bring to her family and talk to her father about. And it's difficult. And there's a lot, like you said, there's a
0: lot going on in this book, which is I really loved all the different threads, but let's talk about Morocco. And I love how your books always take us to these magnificent and new places. Some, you know, most of the places I haven't visited before. Tell us about the research you undertook and how it helped shape this book.
1: Well, Morocco is, first of all, one of my favorite places. I adore Morocco. I love the entire country. Like, there's no place you can go in Morocco that like, I haven't fallen in love with it, but so I went there, I was in Morocco in 2008, nine, something like that, and loved Fez. And I knew someday, I hoped someday that I would be able to write a book that takes place in Morocco. And so when this, when the right storyline came and, uh, when I was researching, uh I, I came upon the Imichil, uh Wedding Festival and reading that Romeo and Juliet story about Imishil and this wedding festival that people can go and, you know, find a wife and a husband and get a camel and blue jeans. I was like, I'm in like this. <laughs> a whole festival of love. How do you not love? I I loved it. And so I, um, when the book was basically storyboarded out and, you know, it was kind of still rough, but yet I knew where my characters, I knew my characters were and I knew where they were going. I knew, I basically knew the book, but I didn't have the detailed details. And, um, That's why I went to Fez. Uh, I typically have a research partner that I work with all the time, and she was unable to go because of a a medical emergency at the last minute. So I put out this, I rented this huge Riyadh in the middle of the Medina in Fez, and I was horrified to think that I was going to have to stay in this thing by myself because they're big they're palatial it's like being in a castle all (laughs) by yourself I was thinking all I could think of it's got to be haunted like I went (laughs) straight there and I'm thinking there's and and in in the Medina there's like 9,000 little alleyways and little pathways there is never a moment you're not lost in Fez. And so the thought of that, I'm going to be lost all the time. I'm not going to be able to find my Riyadh. And then once I'm there, there's going to be ghosts. I was, (laughs) I really was, I I had like a panic attack. I was so anxious about it. So I put out an SOS to my girlfriends. I'm like, please, somebody has to join me on this. And I needed to be able to bounce off storylines and ideas from people, and so I had two girlfriends that joined me—one from the UK and one girlfriend who lives here. And oh my goodness, it was—we laughed and we had more fun. And the uh, one, so B, as you know, is blind. She's older and she's blind. And uh, when I first arrived into the Medina on this research trip with my two girlfriends. I, I enter in the Medina and it was madness. Like the, the sound level just gets elevated. Uh, the donkeys are coming right at you. <laughs> You're having to literally lay yourself against the wall so your feet don't get stepped on. And you have vendors, you have just so much going on and uneven steps and donkey poop and tripping over cats, (laughs) all of this, all happening. I thought, what have I done? There's no way B can manage in the Medina. I don't know what I was thinking. I've just made this huge, huge error. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't, I didn't remember, I didn't remember the chaos as much as it was. And then Linda, uh, my girlfriend from here, we, we had to walk about a 30 minutes, like in a basin, out of a basin, up steps, down steps to get to the Riyadh from the gate. Cause it's a, there's no, there's no cars. There's nothing allowed in there. It's all foot traffic. And she had just come off surgery uh, on her knee. And by the time we got to the Riyadh, her, her knee was about, you know, the size oh, of a basketball. No. And she goes, Oh, Deb, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm thinking, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how uh, B is going to do this. And then I, I'm i literally panicking at this. Now I can't hardly catch my breath because like I'm in sheer panic mode. And the, the manager of the Riyadh says oh don't worry I've got it covered we got this don't you worry at all the next thing I know a really handsome man comes in with a wheelchair and he was with us the entire time in fed we plopped Linda in the wheelchair and then I said you I need you to close your eyes so we were able to I it was so cool because now, oh, poor Linda, she didn't see Fez <laughs> because it made her, keep her eyes closed the whole time. But what are you smelling? What do you What do you hear? The, what she could experience. And then, you know, I, I didn't want to take advantage of the wheelchair guy, but I would plop myself in the wheelchair periodically. And just, it was really, really interesting to experience all of this with your eyes closed. And you know, in a safe way, and so that was the the perfect perfect um, way to be able to have B really come from that perspective with B. So I think it really helped with uh, the with the writing and with the whole the whole um, senses.
0: I'm so glad I asked that question, Deborah. That was just such a great story. What a wild ride it is being Deborah's friend. First of all, come with me to Morocco. And now you have to walk with your bung knee. And now you have to sit in a wheelchair and close your eyes. I mean, the adventures right. are
1: friend. <laughs> and we have one more. So I knew B was going to be in the Hammam. I knew that I needed to have all these Hammam experiences. So we've got two women who literally don't know each other, right? And, and me. And I said, you know, we have to really go to all the hummums. So here we are, basically, you know, I felt like we were naked, having strangers scrub us down. We're all just standing there looking at each other going, oh, my goodness, is this awkward? So can you explain
0: this to listeners who may not know what you're talking about? Who haven't oh, read the book? it's
1: a public bath, public bath. Sorry. Well, you're naked. We were naked in this public bath. I had avoided public bathing like all my life. Like I've never wanted to (laughs) be scrubbed down by any stranger. Like it just was never.
0: I can't imagine why.
1: (laughs) So these, my two girlfriends, we're just sitting there just being doused with water. We had no skin left right by the end of the trip. We were like raw and we're thinking all the things like we laugh so hard after a while. It's like I had been naked with them so much <laughs> that it just wasn't even weird anymore at the end.
0: <laughs> Once you've been naked in public bathed with your friends bonded for life, I think.
1: <laughs> I know. Right. Like those are stories. Some of those stories we can't even tell because it's like, oh, my goodness. But laugh. Laugh, laugh. So when you read the part of B in the hamam, that is exactly what was happening. But it was so funny.
0: I did really enjoy that, but B had the benefit of not being able to see everybody else naked.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I know. Oh my goodness. I I you know what to relive that. I read uh, that that chapter. And I still giggle. And when my girlfriends and I were talking, we still laughed so, so hard about that. I
0: love that. That is a great story. Yeah. It really is. Now, getting back to the book, even though that was the best story I think I've ever heard. You explore so many things in this book. You explore culture. And like you mentioned before, the clash of cultures, family dynamics in different places and how you can't always understand how another family operates and of course gender expectations why were these really important issues for you to explore in this book
1: well you know i love i i love when you have a clash of culture and when so originally when i wanted to write a book that set yeah, was set in morocco i didn't have the story right And then somebody introduced me to a Moroccan woman, a Moroccan American, and uh, she basically had uh, her her father was a director of prison. She lived on the compound of a prison as she was growing up. And she also married an American man when she met in France. And then listening to her tell what she's gone through and not her hers was you know not this story but you could still see the difference with like some of the stories she told and I found it fascinating um I love the idea of how uh the difference between a boy and a girl as far as the boys can do whatever they want and it's okay, and the girl always has like restrictions. And then you know it isn't that uncommon. Uh, I think that with within that culture and many cultures around the world, you're not. It's not an individual choice like who you're going to marry, because it's not about so much you and the person you're marrying. It's about the family connection. You're marrying one family into another family. And so it's all about that. It's like, are they of the same financial uh, you know, situation as you? Are they doctors? Are they this? Are they that? And it's about bringing two families together, family honor. And so I find that fascinating. Uh, and, you know, and I, I love that. I love everything about that.
0: Mm, it is really fascinating, and I was fascinated reading the book about those things as well. And what I love about your stories, is they they centre around women and their stories, and I feel that's really special because there's friendship between women and then women come together at, you know, these really challenging points in their lives, and it's about telling these stories from these female perspectives and, and female friendship and female love, and I really like that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and and I think that, like, my life, has always centered around a lot of female friendships. I, I'm I a hairdresser. I've been a hairdresser since I was 15 years old. And I was raised in a beauty shop with so many strong females around me all the time. Um, I still have a salon in Mexico and I'm surrounded by stories and by my clients always. And it, And it is. I think female friendship and what we do to help each other and how we bond together, how we can really do just about anything. If we set our mind to it. I mean, women are strong. We really are. Mm, Absolutely. And I
0: love forbidden love. I mean, how can you go past a story that has forbidden love in it? Was that fun to write?
1: You know um, I think because I've, gone through forbidden love in my life and I mean oh come on I I am in the beauty shop and the best stories (laughs) that I hear are the forbidden love stories I'm like no way you've got to be kidding me and those are the best ones right those are like that's when your ears really perk up and I love forbidden love I mean it's not always healthy love but you know what I mean but it is intriguing Mm -hmm. and it you know and yeah there's a lot of that
0: absolutely and it is it's about you know the forbidden love about you know the reasons why it's forbidden and this reason was you know because of the culture and the culture dynamics and the family dynamics it's very interesting why and um and what what that makes of that love and whether it impacts it how it impacts it I find that really fascinating
1: yeah I think it was really interesting between Amina and Max uh Max being the American husband that she married, which is like a serious no-no in that culture without the family permission. But the fact that he just, he didn't really get it. It's like, what's, why can't you tell your father about me? I'm like this great guy. I love you. I will, you know, die for you. But he wasn't enough because he wasn't part of what the plan was. And it's like those secrets, like that. But it, it is hard to comprehend sometimes.
0: Mm, and I liked that idea of someone just coming in and going, No, like, yeah, that's okay. And then him going and realizing that, Okay, I didn't really fully understand this situation. So I liked the growth right. of that.
1: Mm. Yeah. And, and it is, it's like, it's way more complicated than what it looks. Mm, absolutely. It's not just like, Okay, well, I love him. All right. It just it doesn't work like that.
0: No, it doesn't. But I like the the fact that he learned that. And I think we always have things to learn when we immerse ourselves into different cultures or we go to different places. You know, there's always that mm-hmm. learning to do and, you know, that without judgment, you know, going and learning without judgment and just seeing how other people, their beliefs and their values and respecting that.
1: Yeah. You know, and that is, uh, I, that's so important for me, uh, with uh, all the books, I write, and just in life in general, it's like, why do we think we're right? <laughs> we're, we're really not always right. <laughs> Our way isn't always the best way. And it's really good to learn from other cultures, from other people. And I like that. Mm, me too. Me
0: too. Now, I loved being reunited with characters B and Charlie. For me, it was like returning to some old friends, and it was lovely to, you know, read about their new adventures and then while still remembering, you know, the past from the previous book. What was it like for you revisiting and rewriting these characters? Was it like that for you?
1: Well, you know, B and Charlie, honestly, B and Charlie feels so real to me right like they feel like they are part of my family and it just seemed natural for them to um come with like i don't i want to always travel with b i want to always travel with charlie <laughs> they make me laugh it's like traveling with my two girlfriends they were just fun we had a great time we just you know uh and b and charlie are just to me, just natural, and and B makes me laugh. I love B so much, and I want to be B when I get older.
0: <laughs> Who wouldn't? She's a wonderful character. Oh, right. I know, right? Yeah, wonderful. I think I said that last time. I think I want to be B when I grow up because she's just so worldly, but she has these wonderful beliefs and this introspection.
1: Yeah, B is fantastic. She really is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I and talking about that, I really like the way your book examines all types of love. So romantic love, platonic love, love for a family. And so it's not just focused on romantic love, although that's, you know, a wonderful part of the book and the forbidden love. But I really love the relationship between those two characters and how you focus on love being able to nourish us in many different ways and forms.
1: Yeah, I mean, Charlie and grandmother, granddaughter have such a beautiful relationship. Um, You know, it's sassy. It's, you know, it's, it's not gooey, right? Like it's, it's, it's funny and it's real. And I mean, I, I, because I'm a grandma now. Right. And it's, it's, I have a nine year old granddaughter. I want that relationship. Mm. Like that is what I want. Like I see, I think about traveling with her to Morocco. I saw that, like it was just that fun, that conversation. Like I can just see it in my head. And I love that. I love that too. That sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) And that relationship between grandmother and grandchild, I see it, you know, with my own mom and my kids. It's such a special relationship. It really is.
1: Oh, it really is. I mean, there's nothing, nothing better than that. And we talk about love,
0: but we talk about, you know, I always feel like Bea and Charlie are kind of soulmates and we often talk about soulmates in terms of romantic love. But I was having a conversation with my friend the other day and she said, well, don't you think you can have soulmates that aren't just romantic love, but they can be platonic soulmates or family soulmates or just a person who you just connect with on this level that you don't connect with anybody else? Do you think that's
1: right? You know what? I think so. Um, I mean, I have... Uh, I have girlfriends that they feel like soulmates. Mm. Um, and, you know, I feel, I, I, yeah, I, I really think so. And I think that being and Charlie are that. that. That's really, that's really interesting that you brought that up because, you know, they always want it to be romantic, mm. but there are some really seriously special people in my life that I would consider a soulmate. And it's definitely, you know, just a friendship. Well, just, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know what I mean? I, I like that, that I've never thought of it, thought of that before. That's amazing. I like that. I'm gonna keep that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was just a recent conversation I had. And I thought, it's very interesting how our society puts so much focus on romantic relationships and romantic love. But there are so many other loves that are just as important. And I think you can have soulmates that aren't romantically linked to you. I really like that idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. That's really, really interesting.
0: (laughs) I think it changes your life. It's changed my week, really thinking about it. I'm Like, wow, that's it's remarkable,
1: yeah. no, that's good. I'm keeping that. I might have to do an Instagram post with that. <laughs> please do, please do. You know, my, you know my love
0: for Instagram. <laughs> now, what I loved when I finished this book, you know, I always read the author's notes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but then I got to your recipes, Deborah, and I was so excited to see the recipes. You must have tried these out in your kitchen.
1: Well, I can't I, I, at all, at all. So I'm completely dependent. No, I'm, 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 I'm hopeless. I can make, I cannot cook. Mm-hmm. And so I am completely dependent on other people to cook my food. Like our food that's, you know, tastes, you know, better than a fried egg and bread or something. But I have a friend who has a restaurant who will does all these recipes for me. Wow. I, I'm going to have
0: to try it. I like, I'm, my cooking ability is either I cook something and it's terrible and no one can eat it and I throw it in the bin or it's amazing. I never cook at a six. I always cook at a zero or a nine. So I'm going to try some yeah. of these recipes, Deborah, and I'll put them on Instagram.
1: Well, I tell you, you need to um, – I'm trying to think. Is that – is the cookie recipe in there? Let's I think it what is. What we got? Yes, coconut cookies. Oh, all oh, oh, Really oh, good. Highly recommend. that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, excellent. I really. I mean, you can't. Moroccan bread. What was that like?
1: Oh, you know the Moroccan bread. It's a flat bread, right? Oh, yeah. it's just. I'm not like, gonna it. I lived on, coo- I lived on the cookies and the bread. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the cookies were so good. And I think you know what? I think I'm gonna make those this weekend. Let's do it. I can. I can. Yeah, I'm gonna make. What are you going to make? I
0: I might make the cookies too. Why not? Really? I feel like I can do cookies.
1: Yeah. I'm looking yeah. At I, I'm
0: going to do, do that.
1: Yeah. I'm going to do the, um, I'm going to make the cookies and I'll send you, I'm at, we'll both post. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how <laughs> they turned out.
0: <laughs> There's high chance that I'll burn mine. I always put things in the oven and I feel like I'm done and I forget about them. And I'm like, oh my God, the oven's still on.
1: Well, I think that these are these are coconut cookies, right? Yeah, so yeah, I think I have to, I have to, I have to look for coconut. I'm in Mexico, so I can't always get. Oh, that's interesting. I think I, can, yeah, I think. yeah. i just looked at coconut up. powder. I think there's nothing to orange weird. orange blossom water. Where am I going to get orange blossom water? <laughs> look, I'm going to have to
0: your supermarket usually sells all of that kind of weird stuff. I, yeah. I'm sure it's not yeah. weird, by the way. I'm sure it's to people who cook. I'm sure that's a normal ingredient. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. I'm just thinking. Listeners are going, it's not weird. We use it all the time. Anyway, there may be some modifications to our recipes. Well, to I, yeah, what we can find. It might, yeah. might just be a sugar cookie. <laughs> might just be a chocolate chip cookie too. <laughs> Right, still
1: delicious. Out of the still package, delicious.
0: Right. still delicious, and I love them straight I'll out of the oven. Place the
1: book by it <laughs> and some mint.
0: Tea. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. I can't wait. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to cook, bake. I'm going to bake some cookies. Get the kids involved. Yeah. Okay, we'll
1: I'll them. bake. I'll bake. You bake. Let's do something. <laughs> We'll I love have our challenge. I love how these
0: challenges come out. <laughs> these podcasts, I'm like, right, we're going to do this. Now, Deb, why do you write, and why do you keep writing? You know,
1: I, I, I think that it's not even about the writing. It's about I love to tell a story. Like in, when when, I can hear something. Or smell something, or experience something, I can weave a tale in my head. I went down to get my driver's license and I was sitting just waiting for my turn. I I literally I didn't even realize I was doing it. I had made up an entire story about all the people (laughs) and the, you know, and the person there given the drive. I had in the hour and a half I sat there, I had made this whole tale. And so I like to weave stories and so it, it entertains me I find I, I my head doesn't I I can't help myself right so so and I can just get them down in writing it you know then I can share them but yeah so I like I like that aspect of it and what else are you going to do when you're in a line for an hour and a half right and I think oh I could be posting on Instagram <laughs>
0: You can only post so many photos of yourself wedding in the line.
1: <laughs> I know. I think, I'm trying to think, how can I get creative? Like, I'm just hopeless. <laughs> I love
0: that. I'm so glad that you do keep telling stories. But, you know, a warning, if you're going to be friends with Deborah, she might ask you to go on some random trips. She might ask you to do some public bathing with you, and then she's going to make <laughs> up stories about you. So just a, a warning for any future friends of Deborah.
1: <laughs> definitely will be making up stories about you
0: oh I hope there's some forbidden love nobody
1: is safe (laughs) good good. Uh, right
0: (laughs) I hope so (laughs) some forbidden love and some cookies I'll be happy
1: (laughs) yeah we're good
0: (laughs) Deborah. again it has been so fun chatting with you and I loved how we've gone on these tangents and you've just told me these most hilarious and beautiful stories and I always get this great insight into the colorful life that you live. And I just love that. And that really comes through in the books that you write. And I, I'm always excited picking up one of your books because I think, oh, where are we going now? You know, I'm in my lounge room. <laughs> no one's gone anywhere for 2020, but you've been able to take me away. So thank you so much. And
1: thank you for chatting oh, again. This was fun. It's always fun talking to you.
0: <laughs> Likewise, Deb. And I'll see you again for your next book next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, we could always talk well, I'll, I'll message you on uh instagram and you know say hi more often great and
0: maybe i'll be yeah. one of those sos friends and we'll end up somewhere strange together
1: <laughs> well absolutely that's <laughs> serious and and you know if you ever get to mexico you know i'm going to show you oh, around the whole country that'd be amazing so lock that, that in would be i don't know
0: when but lock that in
1: <laughs> yeah it's locked in i'll show you around Thank you so much, Jodhpur. Thank Thank you. you.